0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهد الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى uh, so this is our second lesson on the wisdoms and the goals behind the commands and the prohibitions of the Sharia. And in our first lesson, in our introductory lesson last week. Uh, we first of all spoke about some of the reasons or some of the factors why there is such, um, when you use the word Sharia or Islamic law or the Islamic commands and prohibitions, there is such a reaction to this term. And the reasons and the factors for that are very many. We mentioned some of them. Uh, first of all, the role of the Khawarij or the extremists, the terrorists, People like uh, Al Qaeda, ISIS, who are renegades and bandits, and then they take the law into their own hands, and thereby making people think that this is the embodiment of Islam and Islamic law. Whatever they do, you know, as part of their extremism, their terrorism, and you know, uh, the, the things that follow on from that. So they've played a great role. Over the past twenty thirty years in helping to form this very repugnant very negative image of the you know the laws of Islam, second reason that we said second factor that we said that, that there are uh, the role of uh, Christian polemics which started on very early in the second century after hijrah uh, there were there were dialogues polemics that were taking place, but they didn't really become very Openly negative uh, up until after the Crusades, and from the Crusades and uh, the time after that, we started seeing in the books, uh, appearing in their books, a lot of propaganda and misquotation of verses, uh, looking at the seerah of the Messenger of Allah Sallam and portraying it in a very negative manner, and so from that it began to grow and increase, and it shaped the whole attitude. Of the West, of the Western Christian world, against Islam, and so many of those stereotypes, so many of those negative perceptions, they are still present uh, today, by and large. We also mentioned, so, they, so, so a lot of these people, especially today, the, the, the powerful Christian groups in America, who are, you know, th- these are fundamentalist Christians who are waiting for the uh, second coming of Isa Ali Salam. And they believe that before he can come then the Arabs have to be annihilated, and so they have a, a big role in a lot of propaganda uh, you know which they spread through the news outlets, the media outlets, a lot of these preachers um, you know they they they, they uh, play a, a big role in in all of this. We also mentioned the role of a lot of uh, these warmongers, uh, these neoconservative warmongers, um, who, who have political, economic objectives, and they basically want to invade and destroy Muslim lands because they are in strategic, strategically uh, place, located places. Um, and so they have a doctrine where basically you, you have to dominate. This is a, a political, philosophical doctrine. By hook, by crook, by force. Force is right, might is right. And they justify this philosophically. And these people, they have think tanks, and they influence governments to... You know, uh, participate in wars, invasions that the average, average people, the citizens don't actually want. They're not interested in that. So these people have a lot of money, have a lot of influence, and, you know, in academia, uh, in media, in, uh, you know, acro- across the board, they have a lot of wealth behind them. And part of their propaganda is supporting, you know, think tanks, individuals, media personalities, and so on and so forth to put out this anti-Islam propaganda against Islam, Muslims, the Arabs, the Sharia and things like this and so that's a third reason and you know a fourth reason or a fourth uh, it kind of leads into the fourth one as well that you have these very rich powerful networks and you know many of them are funded by Zionists, fundamentalists, ultra-Zionists and this feeds into, you know, their objectives. And I mentioned a report that was done via Inc. The Islamophobia in, in the US, the network and six or seven very huge like billionaires right from those six or seven. Most of them were like the, these Zionists, Christian Zionists and Jewish Zionist organizations. And they are funding specific individuals, networks, platforms. On the internet, on in every every way, to send out this horrendous message of Islam, Muslims, what they practice, and so on and so forth. So, for all of these reasons, we said that a Muslim today, when he you know he, he is faced with this tremendous onslaught of propaganda, in the face of which, if he himself is not, does not have understanding, does not have knowledge. And you know he, he, will, he will feel very uh, over-empowered and unable to respond to the doubts that these people bring. And so we said that with, with this introduction, we said that the aim of these lessons was to bring out some of that knowledge, some of that understanding from some of the books that have been written in this field, and to help us get a basic idea of how do we understand the wisdoms and goals of the Sharia, of the law. What is law? What is the purpose of law? What are the objectives of, of, of law? And so these are the kind of questions that we are going to answer, the issues that we're going to discuss over the course of these of these lessons. So after that introduction, we then brought a number of citations from Ibn Al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, a, number of, a number of them from uh, Ibn Al-Qayyim, and um, likewise from Imam al-Shatibi, rahimahullah ta'ala. So... The quotes from Ibn al-Qayyim, we basically established from those quotes. Number one, that the laws of Islam are founded upon the wisdom of Allah, the mercy of Allah, and the ilm of Allah. The wisdom of Allah, in the sense that Allah legislates for wisdoms and purposes and goals, the mercy of Allah in the sense that Allah is merciful to his servants and the ilm of Allah in that he knows his creation and what is best for them and what is harmful for them. So all of the ahkam, all of the, of the sharia, then it emanates from these three attributes of Allah Azzawajal. We also mentioned that Allah Azzawajal created man in a certain way. He made him to be inclined towards whatever is good and beneficial. And he made him to keep away from whatever is corrupt and harmful. So that was the gist of the first statement from Ibn al-Qayyim. Ta'ala. And also another statement that we mention, mentioned uh, was the fact that that Allah azawajal, uh, he sent his prophets and messengers with commands and with prohibitions and that this is from the greatest of favors more so than even the favor of the sun and the moon and the stars and whatever means we you know brings us our provision that this is from the greatest of the favors and anyone who denies that there are wisdoms in whatever Allah has sent down upon us then this person is more astray than than animals and then donkeys the one who denies that there are wisdoms in what Allah legislated. This person is more astray than even the domest- domesticated uh, donkeys. And so, and then we from that we then led into uh, one of the slides, which I'm not sure if you can uh, see right now. Okay, here we are. Stop. So we led into this slide And uh, we introduced the general idea Laws are legisl- legislated to bring about benefits and repel harms With the aim of protecting the beneficial interests of humanity By guaranteeing, by guaranteeing their vital necessities دروريات, Their needs which are حاجات, And means of perfection which are تحسينيات. So what we're going to do today inshallah We're going to stick on this slide for, for the rest of the lesson And we're going to continue uh, laying some more foundations And gradually build up this picture in our minds And this structure in our minds of this topic uh, Before we go into further details So the first thing that we want to begin in today's lesson So today's lesson starts from this point um, Is from Ibn Al-Qayyim, ta'ala. <coughs> <coughs> and we want to read a quotation from him. And he said, lahu kulli ma wa amara bihi wa You should know that Allah Azzawajal, has a wisdom, has a wisdom in every single thing that He created and in whatever He ordered and legislated. Right, so just like, for example, we all know that Allah created the sun for a specific wisdom and reason, and the moon for a specific wisdom and reason, and likewise, everything else the water and all of the functions that it serves, and you know, its life giving qualities, and the minerals and the materials that we use for abode. And rest and so on and so forth. Every single thing you can think of in the creation, you and I know that it actually has a purpose and a wisdom. Whether we know it or whether we do not know it. A lot of it we can do by, by study and investigation and we can come to know the wisdoms and the benefits and the purposes behind whatever Allah created. However, He said, uh, فِي كُلِّ مَا خَلَقَهُ وَأَمَرَ بِهِ وَشَرَعَهُ and likewise with whatever he commanded And whatever he legislated It's the same In everything he commanded and legislated There is a wisdom And then he goes on to mention A very important point Which is he says But is it from Is it required By, for, for, by wisdom That Allah Zawajal should inform Every single servant amongst his servants About everything that he does And to give them knowledge About everything that he does in his creation And what he desires of wisdom In every small thing, in every large thing And is it in the ability of the creation To actually understand that And to receive that So the point he's making now Is yes there are wisdoms in every single thing in his creation, and in his commands and prohibitions. But is it also from wisdom at the same time, that he must inform all of his servants, every single one of his servants, with everything, with every wisdom, with every purpose, with every goal, behind every single thing, that he's created on the one hand, and which he has legislated on the other hand. This is a question. And... Ibn al-Qayyim then gives an example from the world and he says, when you look in the world, you see that even in the world amongst mankind, you see there are people who rule over others and they regulate their affairs and it is sufficient for the people just to know the general objectives and the general goals. Without him telling Every single detail behind every single action behind every single law. Then this this would this you know this, this is not from wisdom to do this. Just like now, for example, if you think in any country in any nation that has laws, does every single person does every single citizen know the reason and the wisdom wisdom behind every single law and for what purpose? Of course they don't. This doesn't doesn't make sense. So when we look within the creation, we, say that we see that this is how it is. But suffice it that people understand general principles and general purposes and goals and objectives behind uh, the law. So then he says, after mentioning this, he says, al kulli shay." Lam Hikma, Rahma, Wal So he says, once we understand all of this, then we know that Allah, the Lord of the worlds, is the most just of all, the most precise, the know of every single thing, the one free of all needs from everything, the one who is powerful and able over all things, and anyone, the one who is like this. Then his actions of creating and his actions of legislating they only ever come from his wisdom, his mercy, from uh, al hikmah wa rahmah and al maslaha, whatever is of benefit, whatever is of benefit, and whatever is hidden from the servants. So there might be many things that, that, that are hidden from us about Allah's wisdom and the maslahah, the, the benefit that is, that is hidden from us with respect to his creation or his command, his legislation. There are many things that's going to be, that, that are going to be hidden for, uh, from us. So he says, fihi <coughs> It is sufficient for them to simply know that in a general sense. In a general sense, even if they do not know all of the specific details. And this is because much of that is from the knowledge of the unseen which Allah has kept with Him. And so, therefore, it is sufficient to simply ascribe wisdom to everything which Allah has commanded and to affirm, you know, the, the general, uh, to, 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 to know it in. A general, in a general sense Now, this is important what, This is a very very important point here Because the principle that Ibn al-Qayyim just outlined for us Puts us in moderation between two groups of people And the people of the Sunnah Ahlus sunnah the people who follow the way of the Salaf They are always the people of moderation in everything In every single thing in the field of belief in Aqidah, in the field of Mu'amalat in dealings, in the field in every field, every topic, you see that they are always upon moderation. So here there are two groups of people who are astray on this topic. The first of them are the, the Ash'aris, who they basically basically claim that Allah does not have wisdoms, Allah does not have purposes behind what He legislates. And what He commands, right? They call these rayat and they call them like goals and objectives. And this is because of other errors that they made in the field of aqidah, and then it fed into this particular topic, and then it brought them into a sticky mess when they try to resolve, uh, you know, the issue in this one. So basically, they deny, uh, you know, th- th- their belief requires them to d- deny that Allah legislates something for a purpose, for a reason, for a wisdom. Right, so this is clearly wrong. And we will bring evidences from the Qur'an to show why this is wrong. On the other hand, there are the Mu'tazila, And they basically say, the general idea is, that there must be a rational reason behind everything. We must identify what is the rational, what is the, the reason behind prayer, behind fasting, behind this, behind that, behind this, behind that. And they try to find... An intellectual reason behind every single thing There has to be an intellectual reason Why? Because the revelation cannot contradict reason Cannot contradict our intellect This is also false This is also false And this then now pushes you in another direction Where you have a lot of these like liberalists and modernists And people like that Who think that their reason tells them that much of what Allah commands and prohibits is is, is not correct, or doesn't agree with reason, right? This is also battle, this is false, this is not correct. Because there are many things which are outside the capacity of an individual to grasp and understand. Now let me give you a few examples to illustrate this point. And these examples are very important to understand. There are some actions whose harm is immediately Recognizable So if someone murdered somebody else for example Or if someone stole from someone else These are actions the harms of which are immediately perceivable And they are tangible immediately to every, every, everybody Someone loses his wealth meaning he's been violated in his wealth Someone has been murdered right? He's, he's been violated in respect to his blood the harm is immediate and direct Just like for example a person drinks poison In terms of the, 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 the worldly, the, the, the created things That harm is immediate that Harm is immediate Okay, so these examples clear from, from Examples from the worldly sense You drink poison Or you take a weapon and you strike someone That harm is immediate and direct And we perceive it there and then and likewise, in in, uh, in 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 the worldly sense, uh, in, you know, either in substances or in terms of actions of uh, aggression and so on and so forth. So now we move to another type of action, whereby let's give the example of alcohol. Now the example of alcohol: you drink alcohol, and there are some immediate effects, but there are a lot, there are long term effects as well, which are not immediately recognizable or discernible a person is drunk it affects his mental judgment he could be driving a car and as a result of which it could be hours after he drunk so it's not immediate and as a result of that there's an accident and he dies or he kills other people he knocks somebody over and that person dies or he goes home and there's domestic violence so the woman now his wife is, is beaten or his children are beaten here now we are seeing that, the, that the, the, the the mafsada is not necessarily immediate, but it's delayed, right? There are some actions which are of that nature. Then there are other actions where you wouldn't immediately see the actual effect until a long period of time, right? So a good example of that would be then to give the example of riba. Usury Interest These types of transactions When you engage in a transaction There's there's nothing that You see immediately That's affecting anybody Of harm or loss necessarily Right to the individual Or to the society It appears to be positive Where you give credit And people are able to open businesses Right and you charge them interest Everything seems to be uh, appear fine But then When you look in terms of Years and decades Right You then start seeing the horrendous Effects of usury How a nation's economic power Political power is looted By way of usury Because you know uh, Dealing in usury And especially the way these nations run today Where private central banks They print the money or they issue the money for nations to operate and they basically control all the economy. And then they make the governments collect interest to pay back to them. And what that means is they basically took control of the whole economy. Now at the beginning you wouldn't really notice anything immediately. You only see the harm of this many, many, many decades later. So here now is where the wisdom of Allah There are things that we may not, not, not have the reason and the ability To immediately understand Like we have in the case of for example Someone murders somebody Or you drink a toxin right, Or even alcohol which is slightly more delayed Or other types of harms which, which are more delayed There are some things which are beyond The, um, you know, the observation of man To to realize these things. And this is like, for example, uh, uh, sexual diseases which appear amongst people, right, when they are frivolous and they engage in, you know, uh, uh, shameful deeds openly. When you see this appearing within a society, over time, over decades, you are going to see diseases appear among them that never appeared among their forefathers. Or to the degree that never appeared in in their forefathers These are things you only see after decades And so there are some And so many of the laws of Islam Are there to You know, prevent uh, And to remove these types of problems So from these few examples, what I want you to understand uh, In keeping in in line with the point that Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned Is that There are many many affairs that relate to Human conduct Our conduct Certain specific actions, which is outside of our ability to to understand, to understand, or to know what the consequences are going to be, right? Unless some person is sat there for hundreds of years, very carefully monitoring human behavior, right, and seeing what the effects are, right? Unless someone does that for hundreds, no one has that ability to do that, right? And there are many, many things in the Sharia. Which we would never 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 really fathom what, what the actual wisdom is. Right? So for this reason, you can see from these examples which I've given, you can see the, the importance of the point that Ibn Al Qaim is mentioning mentioning. On the one hand, we do not deny that there are wisdoms behind Allah's legislations, unlike the Ash'aris, right? And on the other hand, we do not believe that every single commander prohibition must have a rational reason behind it which is the way of the mu'tazila which is also batal, also also false but we believe as ibn qayyim said that there are general principles. we know that in general everything allah has legislated has hikmah has wisdom and we can derive certain general principles which can see the wisdom of by which we can see the wisdom and the mercy of allah in the maslaha and then there might be specific in, in, uh, instances in which there, in which the wisdom is clearly mentioned, and which the objective is clearly mentioned, and we will give many examples of this in in, in, in due course inshallah taala. So, this is what we begin with. So I want to make it clear that when we say when we speak about the importance of knowing the uh, the, 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 the goals and the wisdoms and the objectives. We are not saying that we must know the goals and objectives and wisdoms behind every single thing that we do. Every little thing that we do, every command that we follow, every prohibition that we avoid. No, we're not saying this. As we mentioned in the last lesson, we are saying that there are general principles that we must understand in this topic and through which we understand the hikm of Allah, the wisdoms of Allah, and the maqasid, the objectives of the sharia, and how the masalih the beneficial interests of humanity are protected right and that's what we are basically uh, aiming uh, to achieve so with that made clear then we are going to uh, continue then and make some more general observations so as you can see what we're doing is we are, we are talking around what you see on the on the screen this statement here that laws are legislated to bring about benefits and repel harms with the aim of protecting the beneficial interests, the masalih of humanity, by guaranteeing the vital necessities, needs, and means of perfection. Right. So, we, in this lesson, we're going to continue talking around what's on this slide, right? Just to give us a primer for what follows. So, I'm going to continue with some, again, some general, uh, general. Uh, um, principles or general statements, inshallah, Taala. So, from here where we now move is is to make the statement that the Sharia of Islam is is um, it is from Al Azizul Hakim Al Hamid, the one who is mighty, the one who is wise, the one who is all praiseworthy, and this legislation that we have is an Athar From the athar of Allah. Right? This is something which is a manifestation of His attributes. Right? Law is a manifestation of the attributes of Allah, as we already mentioned. Just like when you observe the creation and you see the sun, the moon, the stars, all of the beautiful phenomena that you see, these are from the manifestations of uh, they, they are from the the athar the the effects the remnants of the attributes of Allah and the actions of Allah and in a similar manner when we look at the the ahkam of the sharia then likewise they 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 are they are so and so every small thing every large thing in the sharia then it is it has been put in the most complete and perfect of places, Just like there is no tafawut, there's no um, inconsistency or rifts in the creation of Allah, جل, then likewise in the command of Allah, جل, there is no tafawut, there is no um, you know, inconsistency or rift. And this is because all of the commands of Allah are adal. Our justice. What does it mean? Justice means to put something in its proper place. And so here now we come to a very important principle from an ayah in the Qur'an. And this ayah is a foundation in this whole topic. This ayah is in Surah Al-Nahl, Surah 16, verse 90, in which Allah Azawajal, He says, إِنَّ this ayah as it is, is basically a foundation in everything Allah has commanded and prohibited. This ayah is the foundation for all of the ahkam of the sharia. And it teaches important as important principles about law. Indeed Allah commands with justice and with benevolence al-adl wal-ihsan these these are the foundations of law Allah has to be built upon justice and benevolence right and giving to the the the, the one who is close uh, relative and it prohibits al fahshah that which is shameful evil and that which is munkar which is evil and harmful And that which is baghi, which is oppression. Right? So, all of the laws of Allah are in between these affairs justice, uh, benevolence, and on the other side, you know, that which is shameful, uh, and that which is um, munkar, evil, and that which is oppression. Right? So, all of the laws of Allah are in between. These affairs. Again, Allah yalamu man khalaq, al la'tif al Should He not know who created? And He is al la'tif, meaning the the subtle, the all, the well-informed. So the one who created mankind, then He is the one who revealed that in which lies His beneficial interests in this in this life. Right. So all of this now should 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 be clear. That the law. Is an ather from the athar of Allah. It comes from one who is all knowing and who has perfected every single thing. And uh, you know, his law is al adl, it is pure justice and pure benevolence. And uh, he revealed it upon man. And this brings us to the statement that we see on, 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 on the uh, screen, which is that Allah Azawajal did not legislate his laws except for. General objectives The maqasid The general objectives What are these objectives? What do they do? These objectives are basically They're trying to bring about benefit The maslaha And they are removing The mafsada Right? The harm And so therefore Whatever Allah has legislated It is to Bring about and actualize All of the masalih The masalih our beneficial interests And these beneficial interests Lie in three things As we said They are the دروريات, Which are our needs Essential needs The hajat, which are the uh, Sorry the, the necessities And then our needs Which are the hajat, and then the means of perfection So if you remember last week I gave a parable To illustrate each of these Three things Can somebody remember what the parable was? What is a durura? What is a haja? And what is tahsini? What is the parable? Shelter. Huh? Shelter. Shelter. So we said, so basically what we're looking at is when we look at life, life of humanity, right, there are three things around which law has to be based. There are three things. The first of those things are the dururiyat, things which are absolutely essential. You must have them. They are the necessities. What are these so an example that we gave was the example of uh, shelter. You need shelter from the elements, from wild animals. Right? You must have shelter. Otherwise you will you, you, you know you, you will die. You will be harmed. So a shelter is a gurura, a necessity to have some sort of shelter. Right? This could be in a rock could be even inside a large tree, whatever it might be, just a shelter in general. It is dorora that you are protected from the elements and, and the wild beasts and animals and things of that nature. This now is a dorora. Then we come to hajah. Hajah is whatever is going to remove hardships. So for example, in your home, to have a door and to have windows would be would be useful. Otherwise it will get extremely hot or extremely cold. Right, and you will suffer, it will become very uncomfortable for you. So a haja is whatever removes a hardship and difficulty and makes life hard for you. This is haja So this would be doors and windows in a house. And then we have the beautification, things which are embellishments, those are things which just beautify the hajat and the duryat, right? They just add perfection, add completion. So this would be having a carpet and having other things in the house it just makes life a bit more comfortable you know so so this is what we mean that the aim of the sharia is to uh, bring laws that guarantee these three levels and these three affairs and we're going to <coughs> go back to this from the statement of imam shatibi in a short while inshallah ta'ala so let's continue now and we're still kind of uh, speaking in general terms. First of all, the meaning of maqasid al sharia What do we mean by maqsad? What is the uh, maqsad? This word maqsad because it's goals and objectives. Then it means to desire something, to intend something, um, to pursue something. It is talab, talab to pursue something. It is also to affirm something, ithbaat al-shayy. is also to... Uh, uh, something in which you have al-adl, in which you are just and and moderate, right? This is the general meaning of maqsad, right? Which we translate in general as goals and objectives. This is the linguistic meaning of this term. As for the Sharia meaning, what do we mean by Sharia? The technical word it means that it refers to the various objectives and goals which the Sharia has come. In order to establish and to bring about, right? In every age, in every time, in every place. These are certain goals and objectives that the Sharia is aiming to establish and to protect in every age, in every place, right? What do these objectives relate to? They relate to these three things: Durooriyat, Hajat, and Tahsiniyat. Yeah? Allah. Whatever law comes, then it has to address these three things. it has to actualize them, bring them about, and legislate actions that people do that will bring about, protect and preserve these three things. right? So this is what what is meant in the the, the, the technical uh, meaning. So then we continue also and to make another point which is that Allah azawajal, so now we have a, a general idea of, of the Maqasid and uh, you know the points that we mentioned before. Continuing again, speaking around this issue here. Allah azawajal, He created man in the best of statures. لَقَدْ خَلَقَنَا الْإِنسَانِ فِي أَحْسَنِ التَّقْوِيمِ So man has the best stature. Over all of the creatures, it is man who has the best stature. His form, his creation, is one which is suitable for him to be the vicegerent. That's clear, right? You don't see any other animal, you don't see elephants um, building buildings, or populating the earth, because they are not, they're not intended for that. And their creation was not intended for that. It is only man, the specific way that we've been created, right? the specific form that we have, with our limbs in specific places, the ability to reason and think in abstract terms, to make decisions, right? All of these things, we are at the highest level. And so, Allah has created man in this way. Likewise, he honored the Bani Adam. وَلَقَدْ karra'mna Bani We indeed honored Bani Adam. We have been honored by being given this particular status. And also, we have been given excellence over all. Of the creatures as we see in another ayah in the same ayah that he gave them excellence over all other creatures, and then he subjected for them whatever is in the heaven and whatever is in the earth that he subjected for your, for you for your benefit whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth, all of it. From him, and he also made them khulafa. Uh, uh, he made you to be, um, you know, he made you to be uh, the, the vicegerents upon the upon the earth. So all of these things. Look at how Allah gave man a very unique and very special position and a status. At the same time, did He then leave man? without any purpose? Did he leave mankind without any purpose? Do you think that we created you without purpose, just in jest, and that you will not be re- returned to us? So this this is false. Right? After creating us in all the way that that, that, that we the ways that we are, in the way that that we described, the best stature, the best form, we are honored made the best of you know, creation, given virtue, given excellence, everything subjective for our use, after all of this, do you think that after this, our creation is just in jest? So this now is a refutation of those deists that we spoke of earlier. There are the atheists, obviously, who think everything is just chaos and random, so we'll forget them. Then we have the deists, who are smart enough to know that there must be a creator behind this, but then they reject religion. They say, we do not believe in messengers, or books, or religion, because that is oppression, and it's just you know um, uh, uh, we don't believe that this creator had anything to do with this creation afterwards. He created it, but then he wasn't interested with you know dealing with his uh, creatures. He just left it and is not interested at all. This is bad. This is false. How could Allah Zul create mankind in all of these ways, favor him, give him all of these facilities, all of these faculties that he has, right? And then subject everything for his use and then just leave him. And likewise, in another ayah, <laughs> does man think he will be left purposeless, aimless? So, again, this is a refutation of those deists because Allah did not leave us without purpose, He sent messengers and He sent books and legislations and He sealed all. Of those messengers and books and legislations With the Qur'an And with Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And with the Sharia of Islam He sealed and perfected all of that With these three The Qur'an The messenger of Allah Sallallahu And the Sharia And so this came in order to Bring happiness to the people in the life of this world And it came to protect all of the Masalih All of the Masalih The beneficial interests Of humanity And what are the beneficial interests? To bring out and draw out All of the benefits And to repel all of the harms And hence this law It directs to every goodness Directs to the right way The right path And it actually actualizes All of the You know, all of the um, You know, the beneficial uh, Interests So from this, we should then understand some of the proofs. What are some of the proofs to establish everything that we've mentioned? There are many, many, many evidences in the Qur'an for the purpose of being brief. We'll mention a couple of types of evidences. What are the evidences that the sharia has come for these maqasid? Right? For these masalih, for these benefits and to repel the harms? Well, first of all, Proof is the statement of Allah. This is a clear evidence in uh, Surah Al Anbiya 20, uh, 21, verse 107. We do not send you, meaning O Muhammad, except as a mercy to mankind, to, to, to all the worlds. And mercy must include looking after the beneficial interest of the servants and repelling harms from them. It just follows on from that. This is a clear. General proof. Number two, the second type of evidence, this is a general evidence. Second type of evidence is that we can see that in many specific instances the commands of the prohibitions have reasons attached to them. For example, in the Tanha Anil Fahsha wal munkar. Indeed, prayer it prohibits from al Fahshah, which is shameful deeds. And Al Munkar, which is evil. Here clearly it is, mentioned, it is mentioned the consequence or the effects of the prayer. Right? Here's a clear, clear evidence. And likewise in the law of retribution, Al Qisas. Walakum fil Qisas. Hayatun ya ulil al And in the law of retribution there is for you life, O people of understanding. So here clearly it is mentioned that the purpose behind the laws of retribution. Like murder and harm to people's, you know, uh, limbs and so on and so forth. What is the objective behind it? What is the goal? It is to protect life. It is to protect life, right? So when someone is a, is a, a cold-blooded murderer, then from the law of retribution, is that his life is taken? When his life is taken, it pre- prevents other people from from thinking from from doing the same, and as a result of which it. It protects people's lives. So look at the, the, the ayah. Right? So so you, you can start to see now. Let's just stop on this note and think about these these misguided, deluded people who speak about um you know who have these this, this liberalist uh views about well it's this is human rights and all of this, right? So under the, under the guise of human rights, they do not punish people in a manner that is actual justice. Is actual justice. You murdered someone in cold blood and you took away that person's life. And from his dependence, you took away you know, all of the, 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 the interests of those people. His wife, his children, his society. You killed that person and you took him out of that society. His children suffer, his wife suffers, and you ended his life. It is justice, if the family of the, 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 the one who's murdered wants it, it is from justice that your life is taken. That's pure justice. Then when your life is taken, it sends a message to everybody else that there is a value to life. There is a value to life. This law proves that there's a value to life. And that Muslims value life so when your life is now taken that is pure justice and other people will be scared to basically you know murder so very quickly what starts happening is that murders decrease and there is life right and then it is from the utmost of stupidity for you to come along and claim oh well it's barbaric and it's you know it's 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 uh, we need human rights what human rights are you talking about this guy's going to go into prison. He's going to be fed. He's going to be clothed. He's going to have a TV for you 10-15 know, years of his life. He's going to go out and do pastimes, bodybuilding, whatever else. You've just put him. He's committed a crime and you've put him in a hotel. It's essentially a hotel. That's all it is. Not very nice looking at the walls, but essentially you've got your food, you've got your drink, you've got your bed. You've got your, you know, the, the essentials of cleanliness and whatever else You've got pastime, leisure And you can take courses and whatever else And in 10, 10 years you'll be out Right, This is you put him in a hotel Then all of the cost, who's paying for that, this man for his, for, for his hotel expenses Who's paying for that, society Right, who's benefiting out of all of the legalities Which are then in place To make money out of crime The lawyers, the judges, the courts, right? All of this is commercialized, this is commercialized right? Crime in these societies is a commercial enterprise Everybody benefits, the lawyers, the courts, the prisons, the economy Everybody and the people get taxed in order to to, uh, serve all of this purpose Is this from wisdom? Is this from justice? Does it even make sense? What does the Sharia do? Cuts it at the very beginning. Pure justice, no commercialization. You murder someone in cold cold blood, you will will be put to death. Pure justice, capital punishment. Who makes money from that? Nobody. Apart from from the, 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 the basic... Establishment of the facts at the beginning Because you have to establish the facts of the case Right, with witnesses And other evidences, they like that Apart from that, once the facts are established Then the judgment is very clear If it was called premeditated That's it There's no like you have a defense lawyer And then this and this and this and trials None of that, right You establish the facts of the case And justice will be established and Then you can apply this to all other things So So you can see here uh, I mean we stopped on this ayah qisas hayatun al-bab. In al-qisas there is life for you O people of understanding This sharia is for people of understanding It is not for fools Idiots Right? Who are out of their minds And do not know the reality of human nature It is not for those people It is for people of, of, of Who have intellect Reason Who can think and who care for humanity. This is what this, this is what this law is for, or who this law is for. That's the second type of evidence. So under this would come many other ayat, many other hadith, right? That mention the specific a, a a reason or a wisdom behind that particular law or a consequence of that law. Also, we know from the fact that Allah has gave us many concessions in the sharia. Right? So An example is, مَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيَجْعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْ حَرَجٍ Allah does not desire that He should put any difficulty upon you in in, in religion. So for example, under this would come like uh, the concession for breaking fast when you are traveling or when you are ill. Right? Those are clear reasons which are given behind certain concessions. Right? That's the third type of evidence. So all of these you can see from the Sharia, we can clearly see there are, there are indicators of the fact that there are wisdoms, there are beneficial interests, and there are goals and objectives. Just from these few examples which I've given. Also, uh, the second type, of, so this was from the actual texts of the Quran and the Sunnah, but also just by reason, we know by reason that we've already established that there are necessities Needs and embellishments We've already established that before Yeah, There are dururiyat, There are hajat, And there are tahsiniyat This we know just by purely by reflecting And by reason And by comprehensive survey of, of humanity And how they live And how they get by That we know from all of this That there are three aspects to life Either something is dururi that you must have Or it is haji It is something that you need That removes hardship or it is tahseeni, it is something that just adds embellishment and beautification, right? So we know from all of that that, therefore, these three layers have to be protected. Allah has to come and to protect these, you know, these three uh, uh, layers. So once all of this is now clear, we want to finish our lesson today, inshallah, ta'ala, by looking at the faida. What is the benefit? Of knowing the maqasid of the Sharia, Right and the benefits exist For The scholar And for the student of knowledge And for the average common person And for those who are engaged in da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For all of these four groups of people There is clear benefit to be gained By understanding this topic And knowing those general principles Right, the maqasid of the Sharia. Very quickly, okay. How does it benefit a student of knowledge? Well, a student of knowledge, when you start understanding these general principles, you start having a, a, a better understanding of the of the Sharia, and you um, are able to then study and research in in a clearer way, and you will understand the texts more clearly as well and you will um, you know realize that basically the benefits for people and the harms that harm people that the sharia has come in this life and the next to actualize all the benefits and repel all the harms and so a student has a better like understanding when he starts studying when 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 he when he looks at the goals and objectives of the sharia that's first of all. Secondly, it also increases the person in Iman. Right? As a student is learning, it gives him Yaqeen and increases his Iman. That this is the truth from his Lord. And it gives him certainty. And that you know it puts Iman on top of his uh, Iman. These are some of the benefits for the student of knowledge. There are uh, others as well. Then as far as the scholars are concerned Then very clearly the scholars How do they benefit from this? First of all They understand the proper derivation of laws It aids them in in, in fiqh In jurisprudence And sometimes when you understand The maqasid of the shira, You have a better understanding of the texts Right? In fact one of the points that we should have made earlier Is that As the Quran was being revealed And as the Messenger was explaining his sunnah, the sahaba who were present, they understood the maqasid there and then. Because the sharia was being revealed in relation to circumstances and situations. So it was inevitable that they understood what that law was for and what objective it was serving. So the sahaba are the ones who had the greatest understanding of this field. But as we said in the first lesson, that... For whatever reason this field was somewhat neglected and wasn't written about a great deal, wasn't authored about a great deal, right? Until the likes of Imam Shahtibi came along and you know they put the Usul together and they revived it, and thus we have this book al Muwafakat and so on and so forth. Right? So this is why the Sahaba were the the most understanding of the Deen. Because they witnessed and experienced, they knew the maqasid. Right, so that knowledge is what we are trying to uh, bring about, and so when you know the maqasid, it clearly puts you in a better position to understand the actual texts what this text means, why, 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 you know, what was it in relation to, what's the background to that situation, what was it, right? You then clearly understand the purpose behind that legislation, behind that law, very clear. So that's, and then also, um, sometimes when the scholars there are many principles that they have Where if there isn't any clear ruling or clear text They can go back and do, use analogies by looking at the maqasid So the scholars are aided in this way by this field right? So it's clear The scholars and the students of knowledge What about the common Muslim, the common person? Then a common person will... Um, It will make the common person strive to adhere to these commands and prohibitions when he has knowledge and he will be cautious of opposing them. Right? So, when a Muslim understands, for example, you know, the purpose behind the prohibition of alcohol, the purpose behind the prohibition of fornication, the reason why he must pray, right? Because it prohibits him from al-fahsha wal-munkar he will not fall into sin right why and then we can analogize we you know we can go into all many of the other things right when when a person proceeds upon this with understanding he's more likely to adhere to it and that's why we say that's important for us to teach our children why prayer is important why must you pray what's the wisdom behind it what how do you benefit from it right you tell them all the rewards how it keeps them away from evil things, right? So they want to perform the salah, fasting, right? Keeping away from uh, things which are prohibited, right? Right. So you explain these things at a basic level, so they want to stick to them, and they understand the harms and the benefits by way of the commands in, you know, the, the, the which 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 uh, the, the harms and benefits uh, in whatever Allah commanded and in whatever Allah Allah uh, prohibited. Also, it allows a Muslim to be immune from this ideological attack. As we mentioned in the previous lesson, there is a very strong, powerful ideological attack upon Islam, upon the creed, upon the commands, upon the prohibitions. And many of these apostates that you see, many of them, you know, they apostatize because they, you know, from Hawa, because they don't want to stick to the the commands and prohibitions. But also they have issues and problems with some of the commands and prohibitions, right? And so so by the common person paying attention to this and understanding some of the wisdoms in a general sense or a specific sense with respect to those issues where they've been specifically mentioned, then it, you know, it, 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 it counters this basically al-ghazwa this, al-fikri, this ideological attack and these foreign alien uh, ideologies And these destructive calls that you see people now There are munafiqun amongst, parading amongst the muslimin In fact there are some hypocrites The hypocrites of today are worse Than the hypocrites in the time of the messenger of Allah And this is because Those hypocrites in that time Outwardly They went out of the way to portray Islam Pray with the Muslims, fast with the Muslims, even go on expeditions with the Muslims, everything outwardly they make it appear that they're Muslim. But inwardly, they're upon 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 disbelief. Right? And then only in certain times, like difficult times or times of fitan, would you see certain behaviours from them that reveal that these people have the signs of hypocrisy. Right? So those hypocrites would open would, would openly go out of the way to manifest Islam the hypocrite of today the munafiq of today you have these people present they have their talk shows they have their radio shows they pay here and there what are they like they will come out and they will mock paradise and hellfire you. oh you you don't, you don't believe this these fairy tales do you they'll mock the messenger of allah Salam. and then they'll say in another breath i'm a muslim i'm a muslim Right? It's pure kufr that you are uttering. Manifest kufr. Right? Mocking paradise, mocking hellfire, mocking the Messenger of Allah. Claiming the Quran, you know, uh, there there are mistakes and it's backward and this, whatever. Pure kufr. And then you're ascribing Islam to yourself as well. I'm a Muslim. Right? And I'm trying to reform Islam. Now I'm trying. This this type of munafiq is worse than the first hypocrites. These people are present today, now. Right? And these are the people who are involved in all of these you know the slogans that they have and um, so this is the benefit to the, to the common person to protecting from all of this and as for the caller the the da'i, that again it is important for that person because by necessity we we, we are callers to Allah and um, uh, you know when we when we speak to people uh, when we explain to them, we want to satisfy them about the, the, the Islam And about its creed And about its law as well That it is from Allah And that it is nothing but benefit For humanity And um, that Islam came to protect all the beneficial interests In this life and the next life So when when a person has an understanding of that and he's able to convey some of that Then you will see that people will be satisfied with Islam And they will be satisfied that Yes, this is what I want In fact, you will see now many people who become Muslim In whose hearts Allah has put this, this nur And whose fitrah is still there They say that we become Muslim Because we can see that the society that we're living in It's just in chaos It makes no sense There's just no sense There's no, there's no morality We don't have a clear idea of what's right and wrong now we're just lost, but when you look at Islam, Islam makes everything very clear to you don 't do this because the harm is this. Do this because it protects this it 's it's, it's for your interests right and it lays down everything for you everything is is perfected for you, and that 's what we want. We want stability in our lives we want a clear idea of right and wrong right Many of these people are becoming Muslim they are coming from these lifestyles, these liberal lifestyles where the life is just in chaos they're in Drinking, boozing, this, whatever, right their lives are in disarray, right, and they're realizing this this cannot be cannot be right, right, so when they look at Islam, what it commands and what it uh, what it leads to, and then they look at Muslims as well, how they are diligent in their prayers, how they can fast thirty days of the of the month from dawn to uh, sunset, not eat any this discipline even non-Muslim enemies in the centuries that went by, the Crusaders, were honest, honest enough to even admire and admit this about Muslims. That they are far better than we are, they are far superior than us. Look at the way that they diligently pray every day, five times. How they go without food and drink for dawn to uh, you know, dusk. And how they are so generous, and how they t- take care of their needy, Muslim or non-Muslim, right? So, non-Muslims, when they see this, Then obviously, we are abiding by the commands and prohibitions of Allah Where else is this coming from? The one who created us in the best stature The one who honoured us and gave us the best status The one who subjected everything for our use Where is all this coming from? It is because we are following His guidance Right? Following His guidance That's why there's minimal suicide amongst Muslims All the statistics show it as I mentioned In uh, uh, another occasion There's research being done Muslim suicide is like the blip here. Then you have atheists like this, a huge bar like this. Right? Then you have other religions decreasing. You know, the more atheistic, like Buddhists and whatever else, the more. Then, the less, you know, then as we come to revelation and religion, like you know, Christianity, Judaism, less and less and less. Muslims are like a blip like this. yeah. So people can see this. Where is all this coming from? It's because we have a law. Which gives us guidance, protection. Right, from all types of harms and evils, so this is the benefit for the uh, for the caller to Islam to know this topic, and so what we 'll do is with that we 'll conclude our lesson uh, for today so again as you as you can see, we 've just spoken again in general terms, we are still centered around this uh, slide that you see, and in the next lesson, we are now going to go to this uh, the, the statements of Imam al rahimahullah, and see what he says about this topic and illustrate with some examples and that will be in the next lesson inshallah ta'ala uh, that will not be till uh, that will not be till uh, four weeks now because I will not be here uh, in two weeks time it will be a month from now inshallah ta'ala uh, when, we, when we return so Uh, with that we'll conclude our lesson there for today walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala alameena muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in